Hi, I'm Alex Escobar, and welcome to Screw the Stock Market, where we'll explore the world of alternative investments outside of the stock market so we can change our lives, take control of our future, and find those coveted low-risk, high-reward opportunities for building wealth. Let's do it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Screw the Stock Market. Today, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Normally, we have guests on the show, and they always come and they share their strategies or their lessons or their industry where they've decided to focus on building wealth, whether it's investing through real estate or crypto or whatever it might be. What we're also going to start doing, this episode is the first one. We are, we're going to do some synthesis where Aziz and I just sit back and reflect on all the stuff that we've learned over the last episodes. And so we're excited. It's going to be really kind of free form. It's like jazz. And we're just <laughs> going to be riffing. And so Aziz, yeah, happy to yeah. have you, man. Yeah, always happy, bro. It's always chat. I think I wanted to kick off just the kind of, I know we covered a lot of material and a lot of content this last couple of episodes. I mean, we've covered everything from real estate to life insurance to crypto franchising. I mean, we've done a full gamut and back. We even had some stock folks on there it's hilarious and yeah, those episodes just... haven't been published yet so they're coming soon guys we got yeah, yeah. So we have a just... stock market guy coming on screw the stock market and it's actually a really good episode it's really cool yeah. it's been a it's been an interesting journey and i think one of the main takeaways that at least from the feedback that we've gotten from folks that have listened to the episodes and the shows is that there's always a feeling of kind of this sounds amazing this sounds great but it seems a little bit overwhelming and maybe that's one of the things that we can talk about the inherent fear of uh, trying something new and trying to venture out into your own thing to try to build wealth which i think is really the biggest crippling factor in establishing wealth i think anybody can build wealth it's just can we get past that kind of ingrained emotional response of oh my god what if i fail what happens i'm gonna lose money this that and the other which is actually even relevant now with the stock market i was just having a conversation with the other day with someone who had a bunch of money invested in the stock market it's in their retirement account which they can't really touch until for the next 30 years anyway but they're panicking about pulling everything out of like their the investment funds that they have and putting it into like more secure type investments that don't really have any returns to which my response would be, why would you do that? You're not touching this money for the next 30 years anyway. You're in good investments that are going to come back. I mean, Google's not going out of business. Amazon's not going out of business. So the money will come back. So why do you have this fear that you have to like pull everything out immediately? And just it's just that kind of irrational kind of response, this fear response. And it applies the same way to entrepreneurship as well. So I think that's a good area to kind of discuss and kind of dive into today. Yeah, it's a scary time. It's a scary time for everybody. And I mean, emotions. And we've talked about emotions on the show, right? We've had some people, and I think those episodes still haven't been aired either, but they're going to be good. But essentially, what I liked about that one in particular was a focus on systems and the focus on how our emotions can really hurt us when it comes to investing, when it comes to whatever it is. And so getting those things under control and kind of no, working from here instead of here, working from our minds instead of from our hearts is important as an investor in particular. And so, and there's, you always hear kind of those catchphrases that are like, the fortunes are made 
when there's, I don't know, something like blood in the streets or something like that, that's the time to buy it. That's the time to get really aggressive, right? Like, or I think it's probably a Warren Buffett one where they're like, when everyone else is afraid, that's when you are aggressive. And when everyone else is aggressive, that's when you pull back or I don't know. All that's easy to say, but like actually knowing what to do at any one point in time is, is hard. And I think I was talking with a guy yesterday who really kind of, he says a lot of bad words and he was just saying like, here's what it takes to make this work. He was talking about his strategy for investing and number one on the list was balls. He's just like, it just takes guts. You got to be able to just make a decision, go for it. And yes, you protect yourself from like worst case scenarios. I think he's a stock market guy. And so he was talking about kind of day trading and like what his rules are and how even in this market where things have been going down, he's been making pretty good returns because he's like in and out every little day, every few hours. It seemed like a pretty good strategy to me, but it seems scary too, right? It's almost taking volatility and making it your friend. But aside from that, the takeaway was it takes some guts to just like, make a decision, go for it and learn from your mistakes and learn from the losses. And, and so. And I'm, we're not going to lie. There's also a factor of luck that applies to that. Like for example, that day trading example, I mean, not all of us are going to come out multimillionaires day trading. It's a good amount of luck is involved, but again, you can mitigate a lot of your risks by really kind of thinking it through and planning and strategizing. And I'm not speaking just on day trading. I'm talking about just in general, in terms of any type of venture that you try to partake in and pursue. I think a good example would be like, if you take it within a, out of a business kind of mindset in terms of your day-to-day stuff, I know that we've had friends that have been trying to, or they have now, but they were buying their own personal properties, like residential properties to live in. And the way the markets now is, I mean, house prices are astronomical, but yet they were willing to take all terms of all kinds of risks all kinds of stress factors and whatnot to try to make it happen because that was their own goal. We need a house. And you need to have that kind of level of passion towards building your financial wealth and your business as well. And I just don't see it happen a lot of times with folks. It's like they'll do that for that one thing because they see this as a necessity, but they won't see the financial freedom as a necessity. as So it's a strange disconnect. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think maybe with a lot of our listeners, there is that, right? Like, Having the goal of financial freedom is probably there for everyone, right? But then how to get to there from where you are might seem hopeless, might seem just like such a long journey. Of course, like those other people have other advantages that I don't have. Of course, they're smarter than me. Of course, they're, they already had a rich mom and dad who helped them get all that stuff. And it's conditioning. I mean, we've been conditioned to that. We're employees. We've been trained to be employees. Yeah. If the world is so scary right now and there's all these different, the world is crumbling, the the economy, all inflation and all that stuff is happening, recession, it's a scary time. And so I think for most of us, one of the real things I want people to take away is from listening to a show like this one and actually associating with us. Like Aziz and I, we're not like unreachable. We're regular dudes and what I really want us to try to eventually do is build a community of people with similar goals so that we can support each other as we, we try as we go there. And so like associating with people who have similar goals with you, whether it's us, whether it's just other types of networking that you do is going to keep us motivated and energized and trying and looking at opportunity, opportunities and all those things. So 
I'd say if there's one takeaway that you can take in terms of action in the face of such a scary time, it's that it's to, to look to other people to associate with so that you can stay motivated so that you can keep making small forward progress every day towards those goals, whether it's becoming a billionaire or just getting to the point where you're financially free and you can decide, Hey, I'm going to go to the beach and just chill out. You can rest easy knowing that there's still food on the table and a roof over your head and your expenses are covered. I'm still undecided which one of those I want to be my outcome. Some days I'm like, I just want to get to the point where I'm good enough and I can live my life and enjoy it. Other days I want to conquer the world and I want to, I want to be a billionaire. We'll see what ends up happening. But Aziz, what's yours? What's your goal? I think I'm a simple man. I mean, I don't need to be a billionaire. I would like to be a billionaire. That would be nice. But to be just free, I think is fundamental. Like be able to just not have to worry about my future, my family's future, particularly my family, really, in the end of the day. My loved ones are well taken care of and I don't have to stress and kill myself to try to kind of make ends meet at the end of the day. Fortunately enough, I'm not in a position where I am stressing and whatnot, but it's also not a secure position where if I stop working tomorrow, I'm going to still maintain the same kind of lifestyle. So I want that freedom to know that regardless of what I do, there's always going to be consistency in a sense. Yep. And actually, you know what, Alex, you are actually a good case study as well, because you conquered your fear. I mean, you left the working world. You jumped right in head first into all of this and you've been been doing it and making it. I mean, what what's... What what pushed you past the fear factor? Like, how did you break through? Hey there, just wanted to take a minute to thank you for tuning into the show. It really means a lot to us. We hope that you're getting a lot of value out of it. And in that spirit, we're trying to find other venues to engage with you to be able to continue to share value in different ways. So we want to encourage you to go ahead and tune in and follow us on Instagram at Screw the Stock Market Show. We have a YouTube channel set up where we'll be posting entire episodes and other relevant content there and on our website, screwthestockmarket.com, where we'll be posting focused on action steps and other resources for you and for us to be able to take action with the lessons that we're learning from all the guests that we're having on the show. So thanks again for tuning in and we hope that you're getting a lot of value from this and enjoy the show. Well, that's cool. Like we actually haven't talked about that on the show so yeah, that is a good topic. I mean, so I quit my job in January, like six months ago, right? And it was a, it was a process. It was years long, right? I, I started doing real estate as a side hustle as a real estate agent. I'm still a real estate agent. So if anyone's looking to buy, sell or rent or lease, I'm your guy. Call me. But, but I started that in 2015, which is now seven years ago, which is crazy, right? And my goal at that point was to just pay off my student loans someday, right? Like I had, I think, I think it was like $80,000 in student loans and I wasn't making a dent in it. And only 80, yeah, <laughs> only 80, which and I don't think he, he doesn't mean that sarcastically. If you want to shout, if you want to shout out your number, feel free. I'm at the two hundreds. <laughs> that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. That's like a second mortgage. Yes. But anyways, I, I didn't, even my 80 felt hopeless, right? And so I started selling houses and that first year I sold five houses. It was, it was pretty meaningful. I think I made, I made a dent. I probably, I didn't quite 
cut my debt in half, but like pretty much every commission was going towards that student loans. And it was almost half in that first year. And little by little, within like two, three years, I think I had paid it all off. And you were still working your full-time regular job at the same time. I was still working the regular job. There was good years where I sold like five, eight houses. There was bad years. I think the worst year was when I sold only three houses on the side. But still, that was enough to like send us on vacation and go to like Dominican Republic or something. So still, one or two houses was pretty meaningful. And then in 2020 was the first year I made more from... And this was after several promotions at work, but it was the first year I made more from real estate sales than from the day job. So my goal was always to leave leave the job from day one. I remember my first day going into the into the office. I was like, oh, I'll be here six months. I, I ended up being there for eleven and a half years, and it was great. It was really a good experience. Great people, but I always wanted to leave. I always knew that that's not where my destiny lied. And I, I just was finding, figuring out where that was going to be. Anyways, once I made more money from my day job part time than I did in a full time job, I had kind of that chip on my shoulder. Now I said, OK, now add to that that I had the baby. So something had to give like all this extra responsibility and pressure. Let me let me put into context as well. When he says that he was making more from his side hustle than he was making in his full time regular job. He, Alex used to work as a senior policy and business advisor. So he was making a good six figure income from his regular nine to five job. So the fact that he was making more than that in his part time side hustle is significant. Yeah. So that year I felt really wealthy. I felt like I had so much money and, but it wasn't even the how much money I had. It was just like, wow, I, I'm, I'm doing it. It felt great. But then something had to give. And it was going to be the thing that I was least passionate about and the thing that I'm not going to give the baby back. I'm not going to give real estate back. I was going to give the job back and it was time. So I took the leap. I, I started even at that point, I started when the baby was born to, to make strategic moves. Like we we moved our health insurance under my wife, who still is employed and she's able to cover us in terms of that and started to like make other strategic moves. I, I did a cash out refinance of this house to have like a little bit of cushion there. I sold the, our first house that we had. And so now we got like s- some cushion there to like kind of just live off of while we get this this plane off the ground. And And the first few months were tough. Like I was, I had all that momentum. Oh, wait, add to that apartment buildings, right? So real estate on the side as an agent, and then we added apartment buildings, which is something that I've been, I had that whole episode about apartments and how it works and how I got into it. So listen back, I don't remember what episode that was. But anyways, the point is, now that I had closed two apartment buildings and I had over a million dollars of other people's money deployed towards these assets, I really felt a great sense of responsibility to take care of that and make sure that it's well taken care of. So it was just a good time in, in all these ways to, to make the leap and to, to take the leap of faith. Cause honestly, like right now, as of July, I've made less money than I would have in just the job. Right. So it's been actually a little bit of a, of a pay cut, but I'm positioned probably to make more in the whole year than I would have in the job. So and part of that, I'd also say is that. You've actually done a second leap also now, at least from what I've noticed, 
where you're actually even transitioning more from the real estate agent side of things and more into focusing full more full time on the investor side of things in terms of building the investor network, adding more buildings. I mean, you've got a couple of deals now cooking too that are getting ready to, you're getting ready to pull the trigger on relatively soon. So that's been taken off and building a lot of traction and it's going to continue to keep building. And eventually I think you're pretty much going to be retired <laughs> before most people that we know. God willing, man, God willing. And so, yeah, I mean, it was, it is scary. Even, even yesterday, my wife sat right here on this couch and was expressing how like, like I'm feeling the pinch, Alex, like we can't do all the things that we want to do. And that was part of the conscious decision we made was to like, Hey, like we know it's going to be a hard transition. It's not going to be just this easy thing, but in the long run, it's going to be, we're positioned to literally to be millionaires in the next, I don't know, maybe one or two years, which is crazy to think about. And so right now it kind of sucks, but I'm very optimistic. It's possible. I don't know. Other than that, just what to say is like, Right now I'm in a position where, oh, the other thing that also gave me a, a real chip on my shoulder sh shoulder also was this safety net, like a defensive strategy is like, I'm going to take the leap. I'm going to try. And I've been in this job now 11 years and it's an in-demand field where I can just go back. I pretty much just can go back anytime I want. I think, I think I'm liked. I think I'm known enough that I, if I apply and Someone sees my name on there. Not only that, but other agencies, other places, it's an in-demand field. So I have kind of this right now, like there's no reason. I've been there more than 10 years. That felt like a landmark to say I have 10 years of experience in this in-demand field. I can just go back and get a job if necessary. It sounds kind of silly, but like I, I saw one of those like Instagram memes that are like inspirational, right? And I think it was something along the lines of like most people will spend their weekend gaping from their reality, right? Like, just like, ah, oh, thank God, I'm finally, I don't have to work this weekend. I'm just going to like watch Netflix and hang out and not think about that. And I remember like during those years when I was still working and a realtor, I'd get up at like five in the morning so I could get in two or three hours of work before work. And then I'd go and work and then I'd come back. Evenings and weekends were times for either calling or showing houses. And like, I was actually spending my free time trying to, build a life where I could escape. And so it wasn't a sudden thing. It was like, I, I literally built it slowly over time. And so it's, it's doable. And I don't, I'm not saying you necessarily have to do that. Like, I think with a lot of the things that we've learned on this show, there's smarter, maybe even more effective, faster ways to build that escape route than having to get up at five in the morning and like spend evenings and weekends away from your family and all that stuff. So systems, systems. Yeah. I mean, that's the, one big thing that I've learned over the past few episodes, it's really key, kind of figure out ways to automate a lot of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. And like a lot of the people who've been coming on the show are teachers, right? They're here to, to because they want to get the word out about whatever their their knowledge base is. And that's the other big one is that I'm a big believer in paying for the knowledge because it's just faster. And I'll give a, a really tangible example about that, where... I read the book, Financial Freedom Through Real Estate Investing. It's back there. It's back there on my, on my bookshelf. And it just maps out how to become an apartment investor. And I said, hey, I can do all this stuff. And, and the author, Michael Blanc, he is a teacher. He has a mentorship program. And so his book is designed to like get you interested 
And then once you take those first few steps, you realize, hey, this is actually harder than I thought. I'm not sure about this. I'm not sure about that. And then he sells courses and he sells mentorship, which are pretty expensive courses. And I couldn't, I just decided I'm not going to pay for that. So I still like participated. I was in some of the lower ticket items, products that he offers. And in the community that, that I was in this like networking group, I was shopping for deals. And pretty much I always explain it this way. I'd shop for deals and I'd analyze them. And if it was a bad deal, I would pass on it. But if it was a good deal, then I would assume, oh no, I'm, I'm too optimistic. I must, I must have done something wrong in my analysis. So then I'd go back into the numbers and I'd make it look worse. And then it was a bad deal because now I made it look bad and then I would pass on it again. And so over like years and a half and, and I did negotiate and I'd call and I'd be like, oh, well, this is the most I can offer. And I, I was never in the running for anything. And the best, the closest I got was a deal where I would make zero dollars. It was just a break even deal, which was not good. So, but all along I was watching people who did join the mentorship program and they paid their money. And then two weeks later, they'd come on and be like, Hey, I just got my first deal under contract. I'm really excited. They'd make their money back within months. And, and so the point is it is worth it sometimes been ripped off too. I, I, I just had a, a, another mentorship program un, unrelated to, to apartments or real estate where the person I, I'm convinced was a fraud. And luckily that was only a $300 uh, fee, but you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but there's a process of vetting. I think that you can take to, to really learn if this person knows what they're talking about, if they deliver. And at some point it is worth it to pay for some, for some mentorship and some, some of someone else's experience. So you can learn the easy way instead of through your mistakes. And that's where the community really helps too. Cause I mean, you can kind of talk to people and see what they've done and what's worked for them. I think that's another part. People think that individuals are unapproachable. There's a lot of people that are doing this stuff and are succeeding at it. I know for a fact, like I know when I was early on, I used to think, oh, there's only a handful of people in the world that are doing this and they're not going to share their secrets. There's a lot more than that. There's a lot of people that are making a lot of money in this world. You might not hear their names. They're not like Bill Gates or Warren Buffett, but they're very comfortable. and They're doing very well. And they are happy to always share and plug into communities. And there's thousands upon thousands of these people. It is. And I think that's a big part of how they develop their wealth as well, is just by keeping plugged in. And they're always happy to share and get information as well in return. From So I think that's a big part too. It's like there's resources. You just need to be plugged in, ask questions, and don't be afraid to like approach people. Yeah. And again, I do want to emphasize that like all the guests on this show, they came on the show because they want you to know who they are and they want you to reach out to them. So like if anyone that you've listened to on the show there, if, if they're remotely interesting to you and you think, Hey, I, I want to ask them one of those questions that maybe Alex or these didn't ask them. I, I, I thought of this question, call them that. And I'll say that was my first step into like my first action step into apartments. I read the book and tried to do it myself and I didn't get anywhere. And eventually I started just calling people on these podcasts and someone from one of those podcasts actually like encouraged me and they said, you are on the right track and I'm going to help you get there. And, it, and they did. And and so. Didn't, didn't it get you into like a multimillionaires club? <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a group with some. Yeah, there are some multimillionaires in the club. Yeah, pretty much. He had a mentorship group for himself and he invited me. He connected me to his mentor who is presumably a multimillionaire. He's, he's a very comfortable guy. 
and he's built businesses and done all these amazing things. And he has a whole coaching program for business people. So I'm a member of that group. It's called the Lion's Pride. I really would encourage anyone to check it out. Feel free to reach out to me and ask me some more about it. And that's where I met episode eight about buying businesses with Jeff Evanson. He's a coach in the Lion's Pride. And so anyways, the point is, yes, paying for mentorship, paying to be in the room with some of the the people who are doing the things you want to be doing is worth it. And, you know, right now, I want us to build that community here with Screw the Stock Market. It's still taking form. We have like a little Facebook page, a Facebook group. We're starting to kind of put together. But right now, I just want to again invite, feel free to email us at info at Screw the Stock Market. Aziz and I will be happy to grab coffee, jump on a one-on-one Zoom with you, and just kind of share about our journey and welcome you to like talk through your journey and your goals and and whatever that is, because we're we're approachable. We really do want to want to do that. So anything else? I think, I think we covered quite a bit. We did. Uh, yeah. Again, I mean, we just encourage people to kind of reach out. I mean, if you have questions or if you want certain topics for us to cover, please, again, info at screwthestockmarket.com. Reach out. We're always happy to address and interact with you all. Excellent. Thank you. And really, thank you for listening. Like we, oh. I think we have like a real a kind of core group of listeners and we get some feedback and it means a lot to us because we're doing this selfishly right we are on this journey which we're, we're looking to learn we're looking to like set direction for ourselves and and make it and if if these interviews are valuable to you that's awesome that's really extra bonus for us because we we want it to be valuable to people we want to just kind of know that we're not on this journey alone and so if you're listening that is, that's for you too you're not on the journey alone we're, we're here with you so yeah thank you